This presentation of the USA CBD Conference is brought to you by IndustryPods.com in conjunction with Immortal, a well-being beverage company, bringing you Immortal Nitro Super Coffee and now Immortal Super Immunity Shot with Hemp Extra. All is well at Immortal.com. That's I-M-M-O-R-D-L.com. All right, we got room available. Want to grab seats, feel free as we kick things off. Uh, very excited. I mean, we're starting this thing all the way up at 10. We're not going to go to and work our way up today. We're very excited to uh, welcome to the main stage the CEO of Montcush, Anthony Sullivan, uh, also known as Sully. He's an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. He's a TV personality, best known as the spokesperson for OxyClean. His daughter, Devin, is the inspiration for his most recent venture, Montcush. It's a certified organic hemp farm located in Plainfield, Vermont. It produces high-quality CBD products. Uh, please make your way to the main stage. He's got an amazing sh story to share. Ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Sullivan. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I'll just get it out the way right now. OxyClean gets the tough stains out. Um, I can officially report to you, actually, as a farmer in the Green Mountain state of Vermont, um, that OxyClean does work great on hemp stains. Um, I can speak with first-hand experience. Um, so why am I on this stage? Um, why am I in Las Vegas? Why am I in the CBD business? I know many of you may or, or may not have seen me on television over the years with uh, my late great friend. Uh, give, make some noise for Billy Mays. Hi, Billy Mays here. Um, I have had a hell of a uh, career in the United States. I came here with nothing back in 1993. I lived in the, the back of my van. I drove the entire country except for Alaska, um, selling mops and, and various as seen on TV items out of the back of my van. I stumbled into HSN, Home Shopping Network, down in St. Petersburg, Florida, still living in the back of my van. And I went on TV for the very first time with no experience, and I sold 5,000 mops in 22 minutes, $100,000 worth of mops on a, on a live TV channel, and that's what started my television career. And that's where I was fortunate enough to, to meet Billy Mays. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about this because it sort of gets me to where I am today. And a little bit, wait, there's more to get you excited. If you do stick around for the next 20 minutes, I'm gonna play you a five minute video clip that nobody has seen. I'm, I'm gonna play it here for you guys to see this audience that has um, been produced by the, the Steve Jones, our showrunner down here is our producer. It's also got the hand of Tom Beers in it. This is what's coming up in a few minutes. For those of you that don't know, Tom Beers is the creator of Deadliest Catch, Ice Road Truckers, Storage Wars, um, and many, many shows. And Tom is behind an unscripted document, documentary TV series around my journey in the hemp and the CBD business. And it, it's fantastic. We'll be playing it in a little bit. But um, so I was down at the, the at St. Petersburg um, working, selling uh, on live television, and I was working with Billy Mays, and we started OxyClean together back in the late 90s. And uh, OxyClean at the time 
wasn't a known brand. Nobody in this room even heard of OxyClean. It was HSN's first cleaning product. And Billy was the spokesperson. And Billy was uh, a powerhouse. If you ever had the, you either loved him or you hated him, but he got your attention. You know, he's loud, his black beard. He was very, very, uh, he could get your attention. And boy, could Billy sell. And Billy and I were, were together at HSN, and I would be selling my products, and Billy would be selling OxyClean. Well, in the, in the late 2000s, we set, I set up a production company, and we helped propel OxyClean to the household brand that it is today, and we used the power of television. Um, television OxyClean would not have been the brand it is today without the, the television, the direct response, all those commercials that you saw over the years. Unfortunately, uh, Billy passed away back in 2009, and it was, uh, it was a really difficult time for me. I lost my best friend, I lost my wingman. You know, Billy Mays was my buddy. And um, I went into a bit of a black hole for about a year, just, just processing the death of my, my closest friend, and I decided that I, would, would, I wanted to have a, a kid and settle down a little bit. And um, OxyClean actually asked me to become the OxyClean spokesperson, which I, at first I said no, and I don't want to talk too much about that, but. I eventually figured that even though Billy would kill me, if I was the OxyClean guy, he probably would want me to be the OxyClean guy. So um, I ended up becoming the OxyClean spokesman and had a little girl named Devon, um, a little, little redhead. It was my first kid and I was super excited, obviously, to have my first child, but she was born with a pretty severe rare genetic disorder. She has a duplication of chromosome one and 13. Um, I've never been able to remember the number, and I'm really good at remembering numbers, and I think there's some reason I can't remember the number, but I, I got it written down. Anyway, uh, the, the geneticist came in, and um, was, Devon was maybe 24 hours old, and she looked at Devon, she looked at me, she looked at Devon, she looked at me, and she said, your, your kid's gonna have some issues, she's gonna have some problems. And you know, as a first time father, all you want is a healthy child, right? I was absolutely terrified. So um, it turns out that, that Devon's, disorder was so rare, it doesn't have a name, it just has a number. And uh, we were told to, you know, the bar's pretty low. She might not walk, she might not talk. Um, she has all sorts of issues. She needs to have heart surgery. So her mom, luckily, is a PhD and a school psychologist. And we just went to work as, as parents, trying to, you know, get our daughter to be the best she could be. Um, and it was a fist fight, and it still continues to be a fist fight. Um, I wasn't quite sure if she would ever walk, and it turns out she was about two years old, she started to walk, and I was just like, wow. And I didn't know if she'd ever really talk, and she still doesn't talk to this day. But she word assimilates, and she can let me know what she wants. And, and thankfully for me and Devon and our whole family, she's turned out to be a really present, um, I'm gonna get emotional when I talk about this, no, <laughs> I'm gonna get through it. But she's turned out to be this amazing little kid and she's like an angel to me. She's like a saint, she's my daughter and I love her. When she was about seven and a half and eight years old, she developed, a, um, she developed some seizure-like episodes. And her mom, PhD, school psychologist, took her to the neurologist and they put her on Keppra. Um, I don't know, does anyone know anything about Keppra? I don't want to say anything bad about any pharmaceutical drug, because I think different drugs, different people do the right thing. But Devon's, the side effects for Devon were horrific. She lost 20% of her body weight. Um, her, her skin kind of turned ashen. 
her friends made her a, a, a bed in a classroom. <laughs> this is a kid who's already having a hard enough time, and she has a bed in a classroom, sleeping during the day. But the worst thing was her personality um, just vanished. She went from being this really funny, cheeky little kid with special needs, very present, great eye contact, to just, there was nobody there, there was nobody home. I took her on a rafting trip, and um, I had a, a meltdown as a father. I just went home and I called her mom up. We're no longer together, but we get along great. And I said to her mom, I said, we have to try, we have to get her off Kepra. I said, we just have to try something else. I said, I would, and I quote unquote, I said, I would rather quit my job and be there for her if she has a seizure and catch her rather than watch her suffer the side effects of this drug. So her mom turned around and said to me, we need to try cannabis and we need to try CBD. Now, I'm not a stoner. <laughs> it might be hard to believe, but, and in my initial reaction was no, hell no. We're not putting an eight-year-old little girl. She's not gonna go to school high. It's just, that was my initial reaction. Anyway, I went home and I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? It, it just all of a sudden, I'm like, anything's better than what she's on, right? So um, I called her mom up and I said, look, do whatever we gotta do. So we called the neurologist and the neurologist wouldn't unprescribe Kepra because they didn't wanna be liable for any episodes that Devon may have. So we went on our own and just decided to try cannabis and try CBD. And we went out, we tried a whole bunch of brands. I only have 30 minutes and I'm already 10 minutes in, so I know this is gonna go long. We tried a whole bunch of brands, bought everything. Tried low dose, high dose, full spectrum, isolate, you name it. Uh, we got a, a compassionate um, medical marijuana car for Devon and we slowly weaned her off Kepra. And we saw amazing results. Her personality came back, she put weight back on, uh, she just came back to life. Um, and about this time, I don't know, there's divine intervention. I went on a trip to Vermont and um, I found myself, a buddy of mine told me about the hemp business. And I hadn't really put the two together because I was just using CBD like many of you in this room maybe for my daughter. And I found myself standing in the middle of a 25-acre hemp farm in Heinsburg, Vermont, in 37,000 hemp plants about this high. And I had an out-of-body experience. I'd never stood in a field of weed before. And I'm standing there, I'm just like, wow. And it was like as far as I could see, like it was just these weed plants. And um, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm 50 years old, I was 49 actually, and I thought maybe it's time for a, a pivot. Maybe I want to try farming. And I'll, the OxyClean, I'll, I'll you know, keep doing OxyClean and we'll keep doing the TV commercials, but actually I didn't think I would try it. I'm, I'm gonna do this. So I decided um, to buy a piece of land in Vermont and I wanted to grow hemp and I wanted to make my own CBD for my daughter. And I knew I couldn't do it alone. I'm like, I've never farmed anything except tomatoes and a pumpkin patch. <laughs> And I decided I'm gonna buy a farm and I'm gonna try farming. I think everyone has this fantasy of farming, right? So I called a buddy of mine who I did the Eco Challenge with back in 2002 in Fiji, and it's an adventure race. And I knew that he knew how to suffer. He's called Dave Christian, and I haven't come up in a minute. And I told Dave, I said, I got an idea for a new business. And I would call Dave every couple of years and tell him I got ideas for new businesses. And he always would tell to stop, stop with your stupid ideas. And I said, I, I want you to come up and see something and I want you to talk me out of it. This was my pitch, the ultimate pitch man. <laughs> I want you to come up, I want to show you something, I want you to talk me out of doing it. 
So he picked me up in New Jersey. We drove up to Vermont. I drove him into the field of weed, and he stood there, and he's like, wow. So we decided right there and then to start Mont Kush. Um, long story short, I felt that if I was going to get in this business, in order to be taken seriously and also understand the plant that I had to farm it. I had to own a farm and we had to actually grow the weed. I didn't want to just go out there and this is, I'm a marketing guy. I know how to sell shit. Uh, I could have gone to anyone and, and white labeled it and put a, a label on it and, and called it whatever I wanted. But I thought in order for me to be part of this amazing movement, I'm gonna have to grow this from the ground up and I'm gonna have to do it the hard way. So we bought, on full transparency, we spent $575,000 on a 116-acre piece of property just outside of Plainfield in Vermont. It had nothing on it. It's on the side of a mountain. Um, we came up with the brand Mont Kush, Mont for Vermont, Mont for Montpellier, very close to where we are, and Mont for mountain, French word for mountain, and Kush was a shout out to the genetics we were growing. Um, we used Oregon CBD genetics, Lifter and Suva Haze. And we found out during the summer that Kush in Hindi actually means happy. So some, by some divine intervention, our farm was Happy Mountain. Who doesn't want to be on Happy Mountain? I want to be on Happy Mountain. So we'd never farmed anything, Dave and I, nothing. We moved up there in April. It was the wettest spring on record. And... We built three greenhouses, 9,000 square feet of greenhouses. Um, we bought 60,000 seeds. They gave us 15,000 extra. And we hand seeded all of them. We got an organic certification. We dug a well. We hit water at 60 feet. We bought one track that wasn't big enough. We bought a second track that wasn't big enough. We bought a third tractor, finally big enough. We went through about 20 tillers. We settled on a 16,000 Italian tiller. We bought harrows, we bought plows. We laid 55 miles of irrigation. Let me just say that again. 55 miles of drip irrigation. And we had never farmed anything. We had no idea what we were doing. It was the wettest spring on record. We bought a water wheel. And we drove that tractor up and down the side of that mountain, and we planted all 75,000 of those seeds. And I gotta be honest, we shit ourselves the whole entire spring. We were not sure if this was gonna work, and all I was trying to do here was grow some weed for, to make some CBD for my little girl. Uh, 75,000 plants, just a small undertaking for two guys that have never farmed anything before. Um, in doing this, there was two things, there was one thing that was really scaring us and it was the harvest. We'd seen some people from the year before really, really struggle with getting it out of the ground efficiently, fighting the gray mold, getting the flower at the optimum level, picking it at the right point in Vermont, the season goes really quickly and getting it dried and stable. And luckily my partner Dave is in the uh, flood mitigation business. If the roof rips off this building and water comes in, you call Dave, he dries the building. So he knew a lot about drying. And he had some ideas about drying hemp. And if anybody is interested in farming or drying, we'll, we'll do a Q&A. But what that was, um, we were really, really worried about the drying component. I'm gonna have Dave come up and talk a little bit about it. Um, and the other thing we decided to do um, I had a show on the Discovery Channel right before Billy Mays passed away. It was called Pitchmen. And um, it was created by Tom Beers. 
And I, I knew when we were doing this, we were living in RVs on the farm, by the way, I knew that we should film this. And we should film this journey, A, because we're at a moment in time for this industry, and no one really understands what, the, what, the, what goes into this process. We're like, it's gonna make great TV, we're fish out of water, we'll document it, we probably won't make it, it'll be an epic failure, or it'll be an epic success, but either way, it'll make great television. So we had one camera embedded on the farm from the very beginning, and um, we slowly brought the whole entire Hollywood film crew, they're actually here right now, GT was on the farm with us filming, and we filmed everything, the laughter, the tears, the rain, the heat, the bugs, the cops, OSHA, um, you name it, we captured the whole thing on film. And the other reason we wanted to film it, because I knew, obviously, being in a, in a marketing background, the, the, the FDA and the FTC and the FCC will not let us, as an industry, advertise on television. Um, it's, you won't, I haven't seen a CBD commercial on TV yet, and I don't think it's coming soon. But I thought, we can make a TV show about it, and we can use the TV show to educate and entertain. And obviously, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, we can sell some hemp here. We can blow our brand up. So that was part of the reason. And the whole time, I just wanted to make the very best product for my daughter. Um, midway through the year, we decided not to go to isolate. And we, uh, we're fresh pressing our entire crop. We successfully actually grew 75,000 plants. We got them out of the ground. Um, we spent $600,000 on harvest labor. Um, it was a very, very expensive outing. Um, I could not have done this without this next person I'm gonna bring on, up on the stage. And I want Dave to talk about the drying application because I believe we have the most cost-effective, efficient drying mechanism for industrial hemp on the planet. And we jerry-rigged it in greenhouses. So anyone who's thinking about drying, and I also would like to recognize my partner, Dave, because uh, he is more than 50% to me of this, uh, of this operation. I couldn't have done it with him. I don't know where you are, Dave. Please get up here, buddy. He also makes me look really legitimate because he actually looks like a farmer. <laughs> um, I, Dave, I'd maybe talk for, it's 12.15, we've got a few minutes, and then we're gonna play the, the sizzle reel, if you will. You get a, a little glimpse of what we, what we fist fought through. But ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Christian. He's my brother and my partner Everybody. in crime. Um, why don't you talk Listen, a little bit about the- I want to say how proud I am of you as a, as a person. This guy is the embodiment of the American dream. A guy came over here from Britain with you know, a couple pennies to rub together in his pocket, living in a van, figured out a way to make it to the top of his industry. I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of you, buddy. <laughs> uh, no. You get me choked up. No, for sure. And, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Talk and it was, a, about, it was an amazing journey this Talk year. a little bit about the, some of the challenges about the drying, harvest, and, and some of the things that I took a lot of credit for that you actually did. Yeah, uh, well, drying for us, when I saw last or the 2018 harvest, I, I was very concerned about the, the short time window that you have to get the plants all out of the ground at the same time, get them stripped and dried and stable and so for me that was the finish line if we were able to get our crop grown which was a big unknown and get it harvested and dried that was going to be the finish line for us so i spent a lot of the time the whole year actually calling it 
the end of days. The end of days is coming. This is, you know, we're, we're going to be buried by this mountain because every day the plants would grow two, three inches, and they just, it just kept coming and coming. So it was a big concern for me, but we, we got through it. I'll also say this TV idea I thought was the worst idea that Sully had ever had. I said, this is going to be what, you're, what we're trying to accomplish here is such a monumental undertaking uh, for two guys with no experience that I was like, the TV is just a distraction. And we're also very likely to not be able to pull this off. So I didn't think it was a great idea, but he was so right. And it's his, it's his marketing acumen and background that, you know, he recognized that there was really no way for us as an industry to tell our story about the plant, the, the people that it, that it helps, and the farmers that are cultivating this amazing plant and making medicine. So I thank you for that because uh, it was a brilliant decision and uh, it was all Sully's. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Man, he's, he's, he's not, he built this drying system that we actually converted our greenhouses into these drive-through plenums. And we were able to bring down about a thousand plants at a time and put them in these plenum dryers that he, he researched from a hop drying system. And we were able to use forced hot air and positive pressure to reduce the hydroscopic content and the relative humidity in the greenhouse to dry our crop and eliminate any gray mold. We were out of the ground and completely dry while other farmers were still fist fighting. And some people spent over a million dollars on their drying systems and we cultured ours together for $100,000. I'd be happy to share the blueprints with anyone in this room. Um, Dave did uh, so much of the work on the farm. Maybe I saw the big picture, but Dave was boots on the ground and he got it done. I also wanna give another special mention to some of the people as we embarked on this journey, a lot of people were like, Sully, you know, what are you doing up there? And in August, we had 75,000 plants this big, and it is a beautiful site, let me tell you. And we had a lot of friends come and visit from interna internationally and look at what Dave and I had accomplished. And uh, Ethan Zahn is in the house. Anyone watch Survivor? Ethan. Episode 40, Winners at War. Ethan, stand up. Ethan Zahn is in the house. Um, Ethan is not only winner of Survivor Africa, and he's actually on this season's Survivor. He's also a, a survivor of a, a brutal battle with Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer that almost killed him. And cannabis and CBD has been a, a part of his story. And Ethan is one of our, our guys. We, Devin was my, our north, and then Ethan was a big inspiration. So we started doing this with people we cared about and we loved. We have another uh, good friend of mine, a big wave surfer called Andrew Cotton, who broke his back in Nazare in Portugal last year. He came out to the farm and we started to put this together. You know, we wanna make a product for people that we love and we wanted to do it from the ground up. Um, and I think with that, it's a 30 minute, um, 30 minute on stage here. We, we have a, a, the, the trailer, if you will. We'll play it right now and I'd love to answer any questions you have. We are, we'd like, Dave and I would like to position ourselves as guys who've done it. We've been in the trenches and we've farmed. If anyone has any questions about anything you see or wanna, we, we would love to share. I, I wanna use this show to educate, to entertain, and also to, to obviously lift the business and our brand at the same time so people can understand that we're not all just a bunch of stoners. We can go against Big Pharma. This is a legitimate alternative 
to a lot of pharmaceutical drugs that really mess people up with their side effects, whether it's opioids, whether it's Keppra, there is a place for all of those drugs, but this is a legitimate alternative. So with that, hit play and turn it up. That's our future right there. 66,000 seats, $66,000. Every seat is $1. For two decades, I've been called the world's greatest pitchman. Anthony Sullivan here. Anthony Sullivan here. Anthony Sullivan here. I'm very grateful for all that that has given me, but it's not what I want to be remembered for. The person that I care most about on this planet is my daughter. She's had struggles. She was suffering from insurmountable amount of medical conditions. CBD's helped her. I've watched her benefit from it. I'm so proud of you, my little munchkin. If I could be a champion of that and help another family, that means way more to me than anything that I've done so far. So I have become a hemp farmer. First there is a mountain, then We're calling our farm Mont Cush, which means happy mountain. First there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is. I've partnered with famed adventure racer Dave Christian. Sully and I met doing Eco Challenge. Sully says he saved your life. <laughs> Son of a I saved his life twice. He nearly bled out at the USA Supreme. Oh, he bangs on about saving my life. He said I was gonna bleed out. I, he helped dress my foot. He's actually very ungrateful about it to this day. All I wanna have is my RV plugged in and a little water. Are you still talking? Yes, that's what Help I do. Help me fix the tailgate. That's how I made all my money so far is talking. Dave's an operations guy. He sees the big picture. He gets stuff done. The monumental fuck up is that this was not running overnight. Dave is boots on the ground. I mean, you just gotta look at him. I mean, I've had a shower for, for six days. But what Dave has accomplished, building this farm from scratch, is nothing short of miraculous. You are my best friend and we've got some shit to shoot. Eventually, Dave and I would hire a small army to help us plant, harvest, and process Montcush's first crop. But we had a core group here with us from the very beginning. I'm in there for everybody all the time. I like questioning reality a lot. It can be empowering to get a tool in your hand. I can do anything that a guy can do. All the leaves will literally, they'll all reach for the sky. Everything just skyrockets for the sun. We're having fun. <laughs> yeah. There's a bull, there's a bull. He has way more muscles than the rest of cows. That's a bull. We honestly need to bring in another 50 to 100 people. We're gonna need a translator, I think. And somehow, together, we're making this farm work. And let me tell you, farming is really hard work. Disaster is always around the corner. From inclement weather, to predators, legal issues. I've gotten in an accident with 900 pounds of CBD in the back of my truck. I'm wondering if we're gonna be shut down today. I have a stop work order that is underway. And most dangerous of all, we just found our first male, and it looks like it could have contaminated some of the plants around it. 
One rogue male can destroy this entire field. The faster we find them, the better. We're searching every inch of this farm like it's an FBI body hunt. We're gonna find them, kill them all. I love this farm. I love this sacred plant. It's helped Devon. It's helped many of my friends and it's helping millions of people all around the world. Here at Mark Kush, we produce fresh squeezed, full spectrum organic CBD. We, we got it. We're part of a movement and it's becoming a revolution. how to drive a tractor. Not this type of tractor, this is an Italian tractor. What happens if I touch this switch? Don't, don't, dude. So that's the trailer, guys. Uh, we're obviously, it's just so nice to see this on the big screen. This is the biggest audience we've actually showed this to. Obviously, we've only showed this to our, our inner circle, but um, there's 13 episodes of that coming down the pike. It's, it's probably not gonna be spring 2020, but this summer, we will be uh, airing on a major cable network. I can't disclose which network yet because the ink isn't dry on the paper, but we'll finally be able to tell the story of this plant to an audience that really doesn't understand it. Um, I'm really, really excited about it, and I'm happy to be in it. I want to thank you, buddy, and my whole entire team. Um, and I, I can't wait for this industry just to become... I kind of like the fact that we're niche, but it will be nice to have this plant accepted as, as for what it is, which is the solution to a, a lot of medical problems. Anyway, with that, um, I'd like to open up to the floor. If anyone has any questions, I'm happy to answer them on stage or, or down below. If anybody wants a selfie or a little OxyClean shout out to a kid or something, I'll, I'll do like OxyClean gets the tough stains out. You can do that. Um, if there's a mic down, um, do we have a microphone? We can, someone there. Um, yes, so what's your name? Joe. Joe, how would you pitch your product in 30 seconds to get people interested? How would I pitch a product in 30 seconds to get people interested? I'm working on it. Um, I actually did. Um, I've just cut a, um, a one minute, 37 second commercial for our fresh squeeze hemp. And it's very, very hard to tell the story in 30 seconds, right? And as far as I know, Facebook and Instagram won't even, if you put CBD in it, the algorithms will knock you out. Uh, they'll, you can't do it. So um, one of the biggest challenges I've ever had my whole career is how do you sell OxyClean in 30 seconds? Uh, how do you sell the pet egg in 30 seconds? So it's, I'd like to think I'm, I got some experience and I'm, I'm going to work at it. So uh, just stay tuned. And uh, I mean, what I've really... What I hope this show does is educate and entertain, but I also hope that it, 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 does, it, it does sell the product and people realize what it is and through watching it, they'll be interested in it. So um, I think the, the advertising hasn't hit us yet. 
It hasn't hit this industry. We're, we're very, very limited about what we can say and where we can say it. And to be honest, I think it's bullshit. Um, the fact that an opioid company can, you know, a guy, a snowboarder breaks his arm in, in Vermont skiing and then all of a sudden gets, you know, here's some opioids and next minute he's shooting up heroin living under a bridge and that's okay and, and we're not okay. The, the, the standard here is we're not on a level playing field. So we're early and I think we're in the fight together for sure. Any other questions? So in the, in the back over there, microphone's coming over. Make some noise for the guy, you, you guys at USA CBD Expo as well for putting this show on. Did an awesome job. What's your question, sir? What strands of CBD did you grow? Uh, Dave, you can answer that one. So we grew Oregon CBD genetics. We did um, about 50, we did 50-50, Lifter and Suver Hayes. Um, but in, uh, I had, was fortunate enough to travel the state of Vermont and visited about 20 other farms. So I was able to see a lot of the other strains in the wild from cherry blossom, cherry wine, Saba, um, Remedy, Trump, Storm, Storm, Stormy, Stormy Daniels. Daniels. We, we saw it all. It, it looked to me, from my observation, uh, that for the Northeast, the Oregon CBD genetics were the most stable. The early flowering was really um, beneficial to get it out of the ground. Um, some, of the, some of the other strains were running late in terms of flowering, so there was a big concern as to whether they were even going to get flower yield out of them at all. So we were very happy with our genetics. So after we cut here, you have to give the mic real quick. It's coming over. What will you change about this next grow in 2020? So this, it was a huge undertaking for us just to, for me, just getting that 75,000 number in the ground was, that was a, like a finish line for us. Um, but the, the planting, transplanting from the greenhouses into the meadows, um, it was about a six-week period for us. Uh, we were dealing with a very wet spring, and uh, as a result, I saw the biggest difference uh, in plant size and yield from that transplanting. If we could shorten that window to a two-week period, that's going to be the greatest benefit for us. Um, in terms of genetics, I think we'll stick with the same. Uh, we're we're going to experiment with some other strains as well and, and some CBG as well. Um, but if you can get them in the ground early, and if that means investing in an extra um, plastic layer, if you're doing plastic culture or an extra water wheel or a few more men, you're going to see dividends on your yield tenfold. Let me ask you, this lady over here, and then we'll have Ethan. Do you think anyone will watch that show? Do you think anyone will watch that show? All right, good. Because it costs a lot of money to produce. <laughs> good afternoon. What's your name, ma'am? Uh, Sherilyn. Shelly. Can you share a little bit about the drying process? Dave is an expert at drying, so yeah, well, go shoot. Yeah, it was a, this was really a huge concern for us. You have a very small window of time where all the plants have to come out of the ground at the same time, um, and you have to dry them. You know, pretty much to keep a workflow, you have to dry a large volume overnight every day for, again, about six weeks. Um, I... When I first started investigating drying op the options in 2018 and the winter of 2019, there wasn't a lot out there. Uh, as you know, in the hemp industry, there's not a lot of mechanized equipment. It's super labor intensive. There, there are now, over the course of this last year, has been a few dryers that have come out. There are all these 
very expensive options they can do, have high throughput. Um, I flew out to Colorado, I looked at some of the big industrial dryers, they're million dollar systems by the time, at the end of the day, and for us, I felt like a simple version of um, this plenum dryer that we, we built, um, which, is, which is used in the barley and hops industry, was a way to go. So all I did was uh, reconfigure our germination tables. I dropped them down to about a foot off the ground, one cinder block high, laid on its side. So I had a one foot cavity underneath of the box. I built sidewalls uh, that were four feet high. And so I had 12 plenum dryers with forced hot air uh, blowing about 100 degree air overnight in 12 hours, we were drying 24,000 pounds each day. It was it was a very simple drying process with no moving parts. And I have to be honest, I I'm not. It's not my thing. I know how to sell stuff, but I'm not a, like. And I I could figure it out. I'm like, oh, I see why this works. It was basically press a button, a forced hot air. Underneath, hot air rises, and then we had a fan system on the top. We did it in the greenhouses, and we converted all of our greenhouses into these uh, drive-through. He did it so you could drive the, the gators down and just load it. So we, we like to think we, we had a it, was a... it was a bit janky, but it worked, and that's all yeah, that matters. I will say, if you're drying, it really depends on what you're making. You know, if you're trying to dry for premium smokable flour, uh, our system is... You know, it, it could be modified uh, to expedite the drying, but it's, you know, I think your hang drying is your, is your best way to go, but it's super labor intensive. Uh, when we first got in the business, like Sully said, we were looking at going to isolate. Uh, in 2018, that was, that was what you were, everyone was supposed to be doing. Um, over the course of the year, we looked at smokable flour, um, and ultimately we, we settled on um, squeezing our CBD into, um, into tinctures. But he, he nailed it. hope that answers your question. Sir. I was going to ask, how was that applicable to smokable flour and preserving terrapines and stuff like that? But you guys answered well, it Well, look, we were, blowing, we, we, this year we were blowing off some terpenes. I can modify this system to do, you know, a variety of different applications or, or you know, for finished goods. Um, of course, everything would have to be scaled differently, but... Um, it's a way to expedite your drying, to handle, we were, whole, we were throwing whole trees into the plenum. So for, in terms of material handling, it was a super efficient way for us to get the hemp off the mountain. I mean, I think with the, looking back on it, we would have taken our premium flour, we did do with some of it and hung dried a lot of it, but it's just 75,000 plots. We have people, this is what you need to do. We're like, we have a stadium of hemp and we, we got to get it dry. The, our biggest fear was, was mold. Um, we, we just, uh, and Vermont, Vermont, it doesn't wait. It's not like Colorado or, or here where you've got the dry air. And Vermont, it can go from 70 degrees to 30 degrees in one 24-hour cycle. So we were up against Mother Nature a lot. And I learned one thing this year, Mother Nature wins every time. Um, got time for a couple more questions. Uh, guy with the gray hair over here. Look, you look just like the guy from Survivor. That's me. But, you know, one of the reasons I got involved is because of the way you processed uh, the hemp, you know, with uh, no chemicals. So can you share with everyone the way you are processing it and how you can process it at such a huge scale? 
Yeah, um, we, we were first timers and we were going to go, uh, we were going to take our whole entire crop and we were going to either do ethanol extraction or CO2 extraction. And I, every time I look at those ethanol extraction um, facilities, I, I um, think I need a degree, a PhD to work at. And Dave brought to my attention um, the rosin, the pressing, the flour. And um, we actually um, went out to Temecula and hooked up with some guys from Sasquatch. If any one of you guys follow the Sasquatch press, and we bought a 200-ton press. And um, uh, it was Dave's idea. I latched onto it right away. I love the fact that we were able to take our, our organic, we got our organic certification. We were able to take our organic flour and just by simply using heat and pressure, we were able to extract the rosin for a, a super high CBD, fully organic, full spectrum um, product. With, it's as close to mother nature, we think, as you can get it out. And I'll let you talk to that a little bit. I'm, I'm very happy uh, with the results. Uh, we, again, it's, it really depends on what your business model is. But for us, as a small farm, we looking to make finished products, we, you know, you could look at some of these extraction, uh, you know, pieces of equipment that are available to us, and the throughput was so small, the the pinhole that you needed, that you would push your mountain of product through, was so slow that it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And not to mention the investment in fire suppression and the facility and and, and everything else. For us, this was a simple solution that we could create high CBD and as an ingredient that we could put in finished products. And for us, it's a, a solution that works. And we also think that it's as close to a fingerprint of those plants in the meadow as you can get um, with all the minor cannabinoids, which none of us yet know what the, the medical potential of those are yet, but it certainly shouldn't hurt to take them alongside of the CBD. I think one of the, one of the things that got me was you just take all this time to grow these beautiful plants and you're talking to them and we're sleeping in RVs like at an Airstream and then you take them and dump them into ethanol, you know, gasoline. It's, it just didn't make any, I'm like, why are we taking this beautiful plant and then drowning it in ethanol? So pressing it, and we may be wrong, we may be, we don't know, I think everyone is, this is a new journey for most people in this room. Um, everyone's trying different things, and I think every, you know we're going to experiment, and, and hopefully we'll we'll come up with a few different ways to, whether it's on popcorn or whether it's in coffee, or I mean I see everything in here, gummies, um, toothpicks. It's exciting to be on the on the in an industry where people are just going for it, and uh, I, I love it. I love it. I still don't know how CBD and beer is actually going to work. I'm still trying to figure that out, but. Uh, all right, I think uh, that's about it. Time for one more question. One more question, if there's any. Nice. We're good? Good? Uh, right. Um, microphone, and then we'll wrap it up. We've got to wrap it up. I will answer your question okay. down below. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Watch for us on TV. And if anybody wants an OxyClean, gets the tough stains out, shout out. I'll get your phones out, and I'm happy to do it. Thank you very much, guys. This podcast was produced and presented by Industry Pods in conjunction with the USA CBD Conference in cooperation with Immortal, a well-being company. Any unauthorized use is strictly prohibited. Any and all trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis.
You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.